everyone, and welcome to Gamers on the Go, a podcast dedicated solely to those games that you can take with you. I'm your host, Chase Kennecke. Today's show is on SteamWorld Heist, and my guest is Pierce Corshane. Hello, Pierce. Uh, hello. Yeah. So we are rapidly approaching uh, Gamers on the Go's 2016 Game of the Year episode. So what better time to talk about a 2015 game than right now? Hey, it's 2016 on some platforms. On on some platforms, you're right. Actually, on a multitude of platforms. It came out on more platforms this year than it did last year? That might not be true. It came out on the 3DS last year, and then... Beta iOS and Android this year? Yeah, well, it. I think it also went out on Steam last year as well. So it oh, might have been right. Steam and 3DS and then Vita and iOS and Android, I guess, if you want to count those as separate platforms. Uh, so yeah, SteamWorld Heist. Uh, this is a great game. Uh, some, myself included, would say it was last year's best game of the year. Uh, I mean, I... I... I'm happy that you say that, because I might put it uh, very high on my list this year. Yeah, um, it's actually it's actually a game that's giving me um, a little bit of heartburn um, when I'm thinking about this year's Game of the Year, because I love this game. I love this game a lot. It, it pretty easily won last year's Game of the Year for me, and... It is out on a new platform, it's out on a couple new handheld platforms this year, and I played on the Vita version, and I, I played it all the way through and beat it, and loved it again, but I, I feel funny giving a game, Game of the Year, two years in a row. I mean, it'd be unprecedented, but it is your <laughs> podcast, I think you can break all the rules. That's true, that's true. Um, but there are a lot of other good 2016 games out, uh, uh, so I... I don't know. That, that that shows in a few weeks. That is a few weeks future Chase's problem. Uh, right now, we're going to talk about some SteamWorld Heist, and, and I'm very excited for this show. Same here. Let's do it. So yes, uh, this this game came out for uh, the, the 3DS December 10th, 2015. Uh, for the Vita, it came out on June 7th, 2016, and I do not remember PC or iOS off the top of my head or Android or any of that stuff. Um but, but those are the dates that matter to me, anyway. <laughs> and to this podcast. Right. Uh, you played the Vita version, correct? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I've played it on the 3DS and the Vita. Uh, I would imagine it works really well on iOS. Um, I mean, I, I kind of want to download it from my iPad and play it. Um, but I also have just played it again recently for this podcast. So I kind of I kind of need to for take the- a bit of a break. For the 2017 game of the year, you can play it on iOS. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That sounds fair. That sounds fair. Um, So for people who are unfamiliar with SteamWorld Heist, um, it's a game created by Image and Form, uh, who are also the guys behind uh, SteamWorld Dig, which was a uh, 2D platformer. This is also in 2D, but this is a side-scrolling, turn-based, tactical RPG with some action elements that's kind of a mouthful but i i feel like that that covers it wouldn't you say yeah i think that's pretty good i was when i was taking notes for this podcast i was thinking like what do the what do the steam world games do uniquely because they they tread in very familiar territory and then they have like their own little twist on it um so yeah i mean like steam world dig had elements of minecraft in it and was essentially just an action platformer, but um, 
they, they had like their own little spin on it, and I think it made it really unique. And I think the same thing with Steve Heist. I do not like turn-based strategy. I'm really bad at turn-based strategy. But by putting it on a 2D plane, it um, it's like that one little like dash of spice for me that piqued my interest and made me uh, want to play it. Yeah, I, and it's interesting because there are, there are lots of, of 2D uh, turn-based RPG kind of tactical strategy games like this. Like, and Advance Wars is is that. But this is profile view. It's not top-down. It's not exactly. like a chessboard. Yeah. You're, you're getting that, that, um, that kind of landscape view of the whole thing. And it, it really does, that, that perspective change does make it feel different. And, uh, it, I think it's a little less intimidating. Like I, I, I know there isn't like any tactic, like any gameplay differences really between two D uh, turn based strategies. But like, I look at it and it's like, well, I'm not good at these games, but I could be good at this one. Right. Yeah. And and I think this it's a really accessible game. You have a very small party of characters. Uh, you're you're not taking any more than four units with you on the battlefield at any one time, and and sometimes it's even just one. Uh, but most of the times it's it's around two or three. The battles are the the levels are generally pretty small. Uh, they're they're not super With big. Some and exceptions, crawling. yeah. yeah. Uh, and then it it's just it's it's really easy to play. I think one of the coolest things about this game is the the bit of action, the bit of uh, skill that they toss in. So it's not there aren't really any dice rolls in this game. Um, there are some, I think there are some dice roll kind of things of whether a shot is a critical hit or not. Uh, but generally, when you when you you have projectile weapons, you're you're shooting guns, but the guns are being aimed by you yourself. Um, you're you're not lining, so you have to actually physically line up the shot. You'll get a little laser sight on some guns, or some guns you just kind of have to aim uh, freehand and hope for the best. And the the bullets will actually trail out of those guns, and and if you've lined it up correctly, you'll hit the the target, and then it'll do the amount of damage that it was supposed to do. Uh, and then for headshots, I think there's a fifty percent chance that the headshots will turn into a critical hit, but there are other items and things that can that can up that for you. Uh, there there are lots of different upgrades, and we'll talk about those a little bit later. That can really help you to customize uh, your characters the way you see fit. But uh, the, the way I've kind of reductively thought of it that, that is my elevator pitch for this game when I try to pitch it to somebody is it's XCOM Enemy Unknown meets Yoshi's Island. <laughs> That's not bad at all. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, like the, I think the Yoshi's Island thing really helps to really helps that comparison for the action stuff. Cause you, cause you, your weapon has that little bit of sway on it. Um, kind of similar to the way you throw eggs in Yoshi's Island. And then it's also a 2d, uh, 2d side scrolly style of game. You're just doing it turn based instead of, uh, freely like you can in Yoshi's Island. But it's, that's that's kind of it, yeah. Like the, if you can think of the the kind of tactical things of XCOM, where you uh, it doesn't have Overwatch exactly, but it has um, you know it has the movement where you can go so far and still shoot, and then there's a, a sprint that can take you further on the map, but you won't be able to shoot for that turn with that character. 
you move all your units and then it's the enemy's turn to move all of their units, that, that kind of stuff. Um, but again, it's really accessible. Your, your characters can die in, in the map. Uh, but they, because they are steam bots, robot people, uh, you can put them together again after the, after each encounter so they can go back out there. They just won't get any experience from the battle when they are, when they're taken out like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you, uh, you're playing this campaign. You start as these, these kind of space piratey smuggler people, uh, and you, you kind of uncover this that there's a little more dubious stuff going on in the world in space than you thought. Uh, it feels, it feels very Firefly. I, even though I have not watched that series, I understand the, the themes of Firefly and it, it kind of hits on those themes quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I have watched Firefly and I enjoy Firefly, but one of the criticisms of Firefly was that it was a little heavy handed with the Western motif mm-hmm. because I think a lot of critics will say that, sci-fi is just a western but in space and they just like kind of ham-fisted that theme uh and steam world or steam world heist does the same thing a little bit it's a very familiar plot line and uh world with like a central government that's controlling of the outskirts and uh those kind of things that have cropped up in a lot of different uh sci-fi stories but the steam world universe is so charming that they can use any tropes they want, and I'll have a little stupid smile on my face while I watch the dialogue scroll past. Sure, and it seems a little more earned uh, than just coming out of the blue, because there was Steamworld Dig before, which was very much a Western that just yes. had some, some digging elements into it. So they're they're bringing this world out into space, and, and yeah, hey, there's there's a lot more world to it. It's much more vast, but at the same time, it's still... It still feels Steamworld because it has that kind of Western steampunky view of of the the art style and the thematics. Yes. Um, so I don't mind that it's that it's more cowboyish than than usual. Uh, but it's it's kind of got a, a pretty basic three act plot. Uh, the first the first area it has three distinct uh, maps map world areas <laughs> it has different levels within those within those big maps but it has parts three do what parts of the universe yeah I, I think that's fair um so the first one you're kind of on these outskirts where uh you're you're not part of the empire you're you're kind of out there hanging on with everyone else around there and there are these kind of thug criminal um i forgot exactly what they call them uh, it's it's like a gang. There's, there's like a space gang going around, and you're just taking out those guys. And you find out that that one, uh, the queen, I guess of that of that uh, the leader of that gang has Chapsu. yeah, chop chop suey. Correct. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I've forgotten. <laughs> I've forgotten a good amount of the names. I just replayed that mission like five minutes ago. Nice. Uh, well, she she got gifted the power of some kind of necromancy for for robots Uh, (laughs) so then you you kind of learn more that there's there's a little bit more mystical stuff going on in this universe as well and then uh you run into the empire and you deal with them and deal with the actual queen and then from there you find that there there might be some 
some other more mysterious things going on in the world and and you uh that's kind of your third chapter of of taking on this this new race that you weren't aware of before i think it's it's paced really well like yes those three worlds are um like also familiar like we see that in a lot of uh video games but just when i was getting sick of those the gang members and their fight style and mix it up with the um the government and just when I get, start getting sick of that fight style, they mix it up with this this third enemy. Are we not revealing who it is? I mean, it's it's a it's an alien machine race thing. I, I don't yeah. think we have to get into super specifics, but uh, they they play uh, very differently from any of the enemies you've faced before. Whereas the that first group, the the gang, is kind of this ragtag group. A lot of them kind of just run right at you. They have pretty crude weapons. The, the middle chapter against the, the Empire Queen government thing, uh, they're a little bit more organized and have access to better yet still conventional weapons. And then this alien race kind of throws all the rules out the window and, and they have uh, shields that you have to, to play with and laser guns and, and lots of different tactical things that you need to worry about that you didn't have any equivalent to in, in the first kind of two chapters of the game. Um, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, like I, I think the, the mechanics here are really the, the stars of the game. I mean, it has, it has good dialogue. The story is kind of whatever, but it works like we've talked about. Um, the, the art's great, but the, I just find it to be so mechanically fun to play. Um, you have a large, uh, you have a decent group of, of robots at your, your disposal when you're creating a party and each of them have kind of different, um, classes, but then each one of the individual steam bots has its own specific perks to it. So even though you have two, two steam bots who are considered heavies that would use the heavy weapons, uh, each of them plays pretty differently despite having the access to heavy weapons that would classify them as the, the heavy. Yeah, it, it's the, the classes are very, um, they're not as defining as they are in a lot of other games. So I think they're almost just like little buckets that you can put them in in there. I, I guess are the only differences which you can equip, like you can only equip heavy weapons with this class, you can only get equipped uh, assault weapons with a certain class and with the other yeah i think that's that's generally the case um and then there's one kind of class that is that's just a unique uh guy uh what's his name uh i've got it here billy uh billy is just kind of his own thing because he's more of like a melee class that can use uh the very basic pistols that that aren't sharpshooters um but yeah, they, it's it's a lot of fun. Let's let's talk about some of the team members. Um, I wrote down a few of my favorites. Pierce, do you have any anybody that you uh, you care to talk about a little bit more? Yeah. In so, detail? Um, uh, well, so can, I actually never tried this, but can you ever unequipped Piper? Yeah, absolutely. You okay. can you can totally take her out of your party. Yeah. So Piper's the main character and like the, the captain of the this ragtag group of steam bots that you're controlling. I kept her in the, the entire time. I felt um, uh, that it was my duty just because she was <laughs> the the main character and I wanted to like see the game through with her. Uh, and I, I, I liked her healing abilities. There's 
when you first start out, there isn't um, too many options to heal yourself. You can have like these little repair kits that don't do that much uh, at first, at least. So when I got that area heal, she was a no-brainer. I kept her in the entire time, and then I stopped using repair kits uh, as my loadout. Uh, so I really like Viper. I really liked uh, Payroll. He's the guy with the wheel mm-hmm. for a foot. Um, I loved his ability, his like sprint ability, and uh, he has a special ability. Uh, what's it called? When he can like he can sprint the entire length and then shoot his gun again. I think it's called shoot run and gun. Yeah, run and gun. So um, that was essential to like getting out in front and opening doors and kind of revealing the next area and then taking a shot when you were desperately in need of it. Uh, and then the, the last guy I almost always had in my party was Bogdan, the, the bodybuilder who wanted to be a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked, the, I liked his arcing projectiles. I used a lot of grenade launchers where I could kind of aim it and scoop over um, obstacles and, and defense. Uh, so he was always essential to me, and I always tried to get him to the top floor of something so you could just kind of rain hellfire down against all your enemies that's awesome yeah i i have i have used all of those characters with similar (laughs) tactics um i think one of the other cool things is that because you can take piper out of your your party she doesn't (laughs) yeah she is the protagonist and and she is the captain of the ship but if you wanted to if if you didn't feel like she was your play style or being helpful you can take her out and put somebody else in and it just it just kind of works and it doesn't matter that she's the the protagonist you can kind of make whoever you want the protagonist if you wanted that to be um but i liked piper i i always put piper in my team um when i could um her she is one of the the sharpshooter classes where she can use the longer sighted weapons that have these big laser sights so you can even uh in the maps themselves there will be walls and ceilings and obstacles that she's able to bounce and ricochet her shots off to to hit somebody in the back or hit somebody in the head. Uh, if you didn't have that clear angle to it, you can still find ways of making that shot work. And that's, that's one of the cooler things um, that that game allows you to do. It just has so much freedom in that way. But Piper I always found as kind of my cleaner and then my anchor. She was, like you said, she has that ability to heal teammates. Uh, She also has an ability uh, called Inspire that strengthens, that that powers up the damage done uh, by units that are a space or two uh, away from her. And we should also mention that each of these characters levels up. Um, They have 10 levels each. And they gain new abilities and, and extra uh, buffs each time they level up. So Piper doesn't start with that heal, but she gets it eventually. She doesn't start with that Inspire um, uh, passive ability, but she gains it later. And then all of all of your units will gain extra health or extra movement speed, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I think, to go back to your point about leveling up, that's... Actually, something that I have mixed feelings about in this game, I think listeners will be able to tell that we both really enjoy this game. So it's kind of hard to find faults with it. Um, But as I progressed and as I became more adept at everything, not being able to choose my abilities or like different buffs each time I level up, they just assign you one. Mm -hmm. Um, That 
that felt limiting because the game does give you a lot of freedom within the gameplay. Um, but to just be assigned a statistical boost without any any input is, uh, I don't know, it just it felt a little restricting. For sure. I, I think if, if Imogen Form made a sequel to SteamWorld Heist, which I absolutely think they should, um, that I would want some kind of tree in there when you're upgrading. But uh, these... For this one, I guess, being such a smaller ragtag group that I, I feel like the variety of the the power-ups comes in your, your different crewmates. Uh, so instead of being like an XCOM where you have a bunch of faceless, nameless dudes who you uh, do have a small amount of, of choice in their, their upgrade path trees, uh, in this one, they're very well-defined characters, and so they're their power-ups there are kind of on a, this linear path of, well, that makes sense for what this character would do. That's, that's kind of within their personality to have this ability. Like Piper is a leader. So of course she's the one that gets the inspire ability. Yeah. Uh, but I would agree personally, like on a, on a mechanical, strictly mechanical level, I would love to see a little bit more customization in the way that you can, can go about upgrading your team. Um, especially when, if you if you don't like the way one of your teammates is progressing, you kind of have to start from scratch and go back to another one that you might may not have been leveling up. And when they're under leveled like that, it's hard to to get them back into a place without get them up to speed without uh, going back and, and doing some grinding. I I sure. find the game fun enough where I don't mind doing that, but for yeah. somebody who kind of wants to critical path it. Um, that that can be a little bit annoying when one of your characters is overpowered and then you realize that this might not be the right time to use this character and now you kind of go back and and use one of your more uh one of your weaker ones and then it's a different style of struggle sure yeah there is some incentive to do some backtracking with there are, there are stretch goals with each um with each level so you there's a star system um, we can talk briefly about, but uh, well, I want to get I want to get done talking about my favorite team members. You got oh, to say all yours, and I like get to say it was Piper. Well, you <laughs> go so, ahead. You're so selfish, Pierce. <laughs> um, but yeah, Piper has one more ability that I found really helpful, uh, and that was her power shot ability. That that just kind of is what it says. Uh, this this next shot is going to be have that little extra oomph on it. Um, so that's why she was kind of my anchor and cleaner of the rest of my guys would do their damage and she would kind of always be the one that I would save for last to, to make sure that I could get that one robot down that I really needed to, or to make sure that I could, um, you know, get, get this one shot off and, and make this thing count, um, or, or move to a group of my other steam bots and, and heal them before it's the enemy's turn. So she was always kind of uh, that that role for me. Um, so we, did you put her to go last, or so when you when you assign your your characters for each level, you can assign the order that they take their turns. So where did you put Piper each time? I I honestly didn't <laughs> didn't uh, worry about that at all because you can switch between units uh, yeah. while you're playing. So I even if she popped up, even if I put her in the position where she would pop up first. All I would do is is hit the uh, le- I think it's left trigger, 
on both yeah, right Vita and, and 3DS, yeah. uh, where you can just switch to another, just or change your order that way. Uh, so I didn't really care how they were ordered when they came in. Okay. And, and most levels, uh, most levels are cut off by doors. Uh, so when you start a level, in most cases, you're able to kind of stack up your characters however you want them to go. Uh, before you open the door and kind of start the, the real mission. Um, so in that sense, it didn't really matter to me who was who was going first in that sense. Um, uh, another character that we talked about a little bit earlier was Billy. Um, I think the melee in this game is really weak. Um, yeah. And, and usually kind of saved for last resorts. Uh, melee only happens when you're when you're right up close to an enemy and when an enemy, gets right up close to you, um, you, you automatically go into a, a melee mode. You can't use your guns, uh, that close up, but Billy is a total exception because he's a melee specialist and he has enough, um, boosts and buffs and powers that allow his, his melee to be kind of crazy. Um, we haven't really mentioned the loot system yet in this game. You mentioned the the repair kits, and we'll we'll move on to loot in a, in a bit. But there there are some specific pieces of loot that uh, you can upgrade your characters with or equip to your characters that can boost powers as well. So when boosted with this piece of loot called the grappling gloves, that added an extra three damage to your melee, and then uh, then added <laughs> this other ability that gave him. Uh, another three movement speed and then combined with all of his his melee buffs and uh, speed buffs on his own he just became super deadly he was he was my guy that if I needed to do the most damage possible I, I throw him in there and then if you're able to get a kill with with Billy you he gets a, an ability called flea Fisher that lets you uh, move after an attack, which no other character gets. And that can be really helpful to, to jump way into the fray, smash a guy and then get flea fresh flea fisher and then retreat back to cover. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so I found him really deadly and, and pretty great. Um, the, he is able to use handguns, uh, just the regular handguns there. And that can kind of be his last resort. So he still has, some utility if you're if you're just shooting if you're too far away to get to a melee attack, but being able to to jump in with those melee attacks is is really deadly. And he has one power that lets him uh, do his melee attack twice in one turn, um, so that he's just he's he's just a tank, and it's awesome. And I like his his design as well. He wears a little sailor's cap, and he's got this uh, ship uh, steering wheel on his back, like it's some kind of uh, like a like a key for um for a toy like a wind up toy he just I, I think he looks pretty cool uh and then beatrix was my was my other go to um she is the other heavy you talked about um i forgot his name the russian bodybuilder ballet dancer Lockdown. yes uh so i i liked him as well but beatrix was was my favorite just because she could do a lot more damage in one turn um she had an ability called loose cannon that lets her shoot. If, if she stands still uh, and doesn't move in that turn, when she shoots, she'll just shoot double the amount of, of uh, artillery. And it, it can get pretty gross, the amount of damage you can do with her by, by shooting those, uh, those two 
kind of salvos. Uh, so like you, I would always try to place her above so I could, I could get that, um, get that good view of the battlefield where she could rain down stuff. Um, and there's actually, there's a, there's a weapon. I don't know if it's a weapon you would have gotten because it comes in the DLC and I don't believe the DLC is on the Vita version yet. Yeah. I haven't played it. If it is. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's in the regular version. Did you ever get the Vectron beam? It's a it's a rare piece of loot. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, well, it's this giant laser gun, and and it has uh, the ability to pierce characters and cover. So, it it just shoots this giant pink laser that will just keep going until it hits a wall, and it's pretty devastating. So. That's that's great on its own that it can hit multiple characters at once as long as it gets them in a straight line, but with the loose cannon ability on, uh, and because of the weapon sway, you'll actually get these two beams that that kind of um, that um, that angle out from each other, and you can hit tons of enemies that way and do tons of damage. And she was just. Like she was, she was the big damage dealer. She was going out there first and doing the big damage, and then everyone else was there to kind of clean up uh, whatever she left. Uh, but yeah, she was, she was awesome. You, uh, you had a completely different playstyle than me. I think by the sound of it, because each of your team members had like specific roles, and mine were a little more ambiguous mm-hmm. and nebulous. It was kind of like a spread everyone out and make sure that they all get an equal shot, and then who can ever get the kill. You know, good for you, sort of thing. Sure. Um, and I think comes... I think that was generally what I did as well. But I, I I liked the idea of these guys having roles, and if they if I could get them to do these things, that's what I'd like to. That's that was the plan. But then, of course, you know when your plan works until you get punched in the face, so uh, <laughs> you kind of have to <laughs> work on the fly at that point. Sure. sure. Uh, so yeah, let's. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about... Uh, actually, let's talk about the loot system before I get into the DLC. Uh, okay. So we, we mentioned some of the loot. I mentioned some of the loot in, in the way that um, there are different guns and different um, pieces of equipment that you can you can get out of these, these chests in the world. In fact, that's... Uh, Pierce, you had mentioned the three-star system. So one star is for finishing the level. Uh, the second star is for getting all of the loot in the level, or, or I think getting the epic loot. Uh, yeah, the epic loot. Like the, the one big piece of loot that you needed to get in each in each level. And then the third star was being able to do it without any characters um, dying in that level. Um, and, that, and it was pretty straightforward of, you know, that's... There, there's no ambiguity there. Like, if, did you do this? Okay, check mark. You got the star. Um, so that was kind of nice in in being able to to go through missions and and know exactly what it took to get the the best score. Whereas some games, especially strategy games, they'll uh, there's another one I'm playing on iOS right now called War Bits. That's very much like Advance Wars. That is actually exactly like Advance Wars. <laughs> um, but after each level, it gives you um, a percentage that gets averaged, uh, it gives you three different percentages that get averaged into your final score. So you get a time, power, and skill. Um, and and you get scored for each of those, and then they get averaged out. So for time, I'll always mess up because I'm I'm a very slow, turtly kind of player like that. And 
and I'll always get hundreds for power and skill because I always do well. My my units keep a lot of their health. All of that's great, but the the time I always get docked on, so I I don't ever really get the the perfect scores in that game. But Steamworld Heist again is kind of nice in that it has this very um, this very regimented, very rigid system of getting the best score or getting the stars that, that work as your reputation that allow you to open up more parts of the uh, parts of the map and then also lets you buy specific uh, pieces of loot at these shops and then can also get you uh, new characters for your team if your reputation is high enough. Yeah, like you were saying uh, at the beginning of this podcast, it's another layer of accessibility where whereas that orbit sounds a little... Uh, a little more convoluted, a little more intimidating also. It is, yeah. I mean, it's got cutesy colors and stuff, so that, that helps you to kind of lull you in there. But it at the heart of that game, yeah, it's it, it can be it becomes a pretty hardcore strategy game. Uh, whereas this is, it has a lot of mechanics that, that uh, get layered onto it, uh, SteamWorld Heist does, but I never felt overwhelmed by anything. I always felt like they meted out the the new stuff in a very nice slow curve that that just kept you in the driver's seat the whole time so that was nice um so yeah let's talk a little bit more about loot so there is there's kind of basic loot that that has very basic properties you'll get uh, a grenade that can be used as an action instead of shooting your gun and that can do so much damage and there are a few different types of grenades as you go through the campaign and we'll get upgraded gear that way uh, there's gear that can upgrade your uh, movement ability, that upgrades your damage, that upgrades your critical hit chance. So you, there's there's lots of nice little extras, and each one of your um, your steam bots as you go into a, a mission can equip two of these pieces of loot, and then also have a weapon um, and a hat and a hat. So the hats. Actually, let's just move on to the hats because I think the hats are a really cool feature in this game that uh, that give you a little extra incentive. So, Pierce, do you want to describe uh, what the hat system is all about? Uh, I, is there a system at work other than collecting hats and it, shooting them off people's heads? Yeah, well, the the collecting of hats is is kind of the hard thing. So you can buy some hats from these uh, space haberdasheries that are that are kind of strewn around the world, but. Most of the time, the way you collect these hats is by shooting them off opponents' heads. And to to shoot them off is not just getting a headshot, is not just killing an enemy. You have to actually hit the hat, and it takes some it takes some skill not only to get that shot correctly, but it also takes a lot of extra skill and strategy because if you hit the hat, you're not doing damage to the opponent. And you kind of have to take that into account. Uh, now there are some weapons that kind of get cheap. There's a shotgun that has a lot of uh, that has a lot of different pellets and, and has a large spray. So maybe you'll get lucky and hit the hat off and also hit the opponent with a bunch of the extra pellets. But most of the time, you're taking a shot knowing that you're not going to get the damage for that turn and hoping for the best. And and you might miss the hat because of that weapon sway. Uh, so there are some rare hats in the game. There's a ton of rare hats in the game that I wasn't even aware of when I went through the uh, the the Wikipedia page, or I think it's actually there was a Steam 
um, forum thread about all the the epic or rare uh, hat drops that you can find. And there were some some really cool ones. I, the Image and Form has always been a very referential company uh, when it comes to uh, throwing, you know, here's here's this homage to, to another game in our game. Uh, but the hats in SteamWorld Heist are, you know, like, take it to another level. There is uh, some quote-unquote strife hair that looks exactly like Cloud Strife's uh, uh, big spiky hairdo. There's a Persona 4 hat. There's just, it's kind of amazing how they, they put all these hats in there with winks and nods to uh, to these other franchises. There's a, I mean, hell, there's a, um, a traffic cone if you want to get all Plants vs. Zombies in there. Uh, but yeah, I, I found the hat system to be really cool as as a player who wanted to find something more advanced and uh, to, to give yourself that little extra challenge, which isn't yeah. really necessary because that game can get hard. That game can get hard. And that's, that's kind of what happened with me in the hat system is at first it was fun shooting off all the hats. And those first two worlds are very manageable. Um, but when you get to the third world, I was getting my ass kicked and I, I kind of just gave up on that whole system because it, like if I shot off a hat accidentally, sure I'd run after it. But like I needed to get the job done first and foremost and beat the level, and and maybe I'll go back and and get some of the hats. But man, like I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about in Spelunky about the that that implicit difficulty challenge. And this is like the loop in Spelunky where can you collect all the hats and still beat these missions? Um, maybe I'll go back and and attempt it, but. Uh, I just like became really impatient with that whole system uh, by the third act. Yeah, I, that's that's totally fair because uh, it got really hard, and in the third act, especially the the aliens that you fight, their quote unquote hats uh, are uh, kind of more just their heads or, or pieces of their skull. Pieces of their skull. Uh, so it was a little harder to even determine what the hat part was and what the head part was. Um, and, I mean, you should always be going for headshots anyway because those could get you extra damage. But uh, it, it, made it, it made it just that little bit extra harder to, to find what those hats were. Uh, so I'm going to take uh, <laughs> give you a little bit of a break because I want to talk about the DLC. You have, you have not played the Outsider DLC, correct? Nope. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's on the Vita version yet. At least when I played through on Vita, I didn't see it, um, and I'd kind of forgotten it, it had even come out on the 3DS. I think it's out on the Steam one as well. I don't think it's on iOS yet. I could be wrong about that. Um, but going back to the 3DS version, uh, just to see how differently it played from the Vita version after I'd taken more or less a year off from the 3DS version. Um, it's it's interesting. I'm I'm kind of on the fence about it. It's it's presented in a similar way to uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown's uh, DLC. Um, in in both of these games, it's it's integrated into the regular story. It's not a completely separate campaign. So it's the the missions are not all geared for somebody who is done with the game who is fully leveled uh so you'll you'll run into missions that are really easy and then they will have a few missions per, per each um 
each of these map worlds. And it's it's really nice if you're going in as a new player and all of this stuff is just integrated right from the start and, and you wouldn't even know because it's so seamless. You wouldn't know really what is new and what is old. Uh, there are little, uh, there is a little icon that does tell you if you if you really need to know that this is part of the the outsider DLC. Uh, but generally, it's just playing the game, and now there's some extra stuff in it. Uh, the game does. We we didn't mention this before, but the game does have a new game plus mode that uh, will allow you to keep all of your characters right from the start. But I think they all go back down to level one, and you lose all of your loot. Um, but instead of having to regain those party members as part of the story, you can just start them, uh, start them off from the very beginning. Uh, oh, really? That, that's like a, that feels pretty weak. What's the plus part of the new game plus? Um, just the characters. <laughs> yeah, there's not really, there isn't really a plus. <laughs> um, uh, I, I think you can change the difficulty when you do new game plus. So if you want to up the difficulty, but now have access to all of the characters as you do it. That's something. Um, I don't think you really get any extra loot out of it. Um, you might you might get like a a, a a piece of. I remember there being a piece of loot called a postcard that I feel like uh, you get uh, for beating the game, and you can just sell that to get some starting cash. But I I don't know. You don't really get much of anything out of it. I will say it's it's nice if you if you're doing that. And and have the DLC installed because it lets you kind of start over from re, from the beginning and get that DLC in a more natural way instead of going back through and stomping the the early bits and then having to take on the the harder stuff uh, when you're already fully leveled. So that's nice. But in the DLC, the it, it does have it has a bunch of new hats. It has a bunch of new weapons and, and loot pieces. It has a few different missions that they've that they've thrown in there. But the big thing is that there is a new character that you get uh, named Fen, F-E-N. And uh, Fen is awesome. Fen is also kind of broken um, in terms of, <laughs> of what the other characters can do. Uh, so Fen uh, can use heavy weapons, uh, which is already... Uh, makes him super powerful. It doesn't seem like he should. He's kind of got this uh, this red cloaky shroud on him, like he should be more of like a stealthy character. But no, no, Fen can just use the rocket launchers or grenade launchers or the giant lasers, uh, no problem. Uh, and then uh, he also has an ability that just lets him shoot this giant uh, piercing laser of his own, um, and and he can also heal himself. <laughs> so all of these things like make him this one man army uh and the way they try to balance it is you have to uh defeat an enemy to give him a charge and then those charges can be spent on that giant laser or on healing himself but he's he's just kind of this one man army that can do all of these things and it's He's a really cool character, but he's also just super broken in my in my opinion. There there aren't really any downsides to him. Is it, is he broken to the point where you won't play with him because it's not fun, or is he just broken in terms of this is too easy? Um, I that's you hard like for, broken characters. That's hard for me to say because yeah, I enjoy broken characters. I enjoy over leveling. 
Like when I play Pokemon, I love to uh, to grind out a lot, so I'm you know ten levels above what I'm supposed to be, so I can just kind of railroad anything I need to. I, I enjoy that aspect, but I could see where somebody goes, man, he's just there's there's no there's no downside here. Why would <laughs> there's there's no reason not to play as this character? Um, but he is a DLC addition, so if you are if you are uh, well versed in the game and just want something new, this is a, a nice character for that. But if you're starting from the very beginning, I feel like and you get Fen pretty early uh, through the DLC. I, I don't know. It just he, he seems a little broken to me. Seems a little little overpowered. Um, but there are there are some really cool new weapons. Um, there was one uh, one in particular that I really like called the Killing Joke because uh, I got to throw another reference in there. Of course. But it's this giant, slow-moving, heavy projectile. And it's just... Um, so if, you, if you've if you played uh, Unreal Tournament and used, like, the, the shock uh, cannon, uh, where it can nope. throw... Yeah. Okay. Well, the shock <laughs> cannon, the shock cannon in Unreal, uh, you can use the alt fire to shoot this large ball, and then you can use the regular fire to, to shoot the ball, and then it explodes. So this is okay. like only the alt fire. Uh, okay, here's here's a better one for you. You've played Overwatch, correct, Pierce? I have played Overwatch. Have you played as Symmetra? I have played as Symmetra. So it's a lot like Symmetra's giant orb that kind of pierces through characters and just does damage over time. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So it's a lot like that. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's a really, again, it's a really overpowered kind of broken weapon because it will just slowly... And surely just move through everyone and do damage to each person, each uh, each uh, robot that you're that it goes through. And then when it makes contact with a wall or the ground, it'll explode to do extra damage. So if you the 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 way that you should use it on a bigger enemy is by uh, having it uh, just kind of arc down a little bit and hit their hit their midsection or legs, and then have it hit the ground so it hits them twice. And it just gets kind of, again, kind of broken. It's also uh, really good against those the aliens from the third uh, area because a lot of those aliens have these shields that uh, you just can't do anything about. They, they'll have these, uh, you have to shoot them from the back uh, or shoot out these, um, the shield generator things so the shield will go down. Uh, this weapon kind of doesn't give a shit about that it, <laughs> for the, for, well, I, it still wouldn't, it still would take it. The shield would still protect the enemy, but for the one specifically that has the shield on it with the little generator behind it, that it always yeah. keeps around. This will just go because it pierces characters. It will just go through the shield and then hit that, the generator and knock that out. So you can, gotcha. you can take those so guys you're on, like on the, the left front. side and that generator is on the right side. Yeah. You're going to shoot through him. Exactly. You can do the frontal okay. assault instead of having to, uh, bounce your shot off the back of a wall or to move your character in a way that allows them to, to, to kind of stealthily come up behind them. So that it just, again, it, it kind of makes things a little cheap. But it's also a really cool weapon. Um, so if you if you do play the DLC, definitely uh, open up those epic loot packages so you can hopefully get that awesome rare weapon because it is it's so good, <laughs> it's so good and fun. Hey, if it's in the game, 
Yes, EA, EA Sports. If it's in the game, it's in the it game. In the it's game. in the game. That is that is what I've heard. Uh, so yeah, like that, I don't know how much more there is to say about Steamworld Heist. Um, is there anything more you can think of, Pierce? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, currently, so I beat the game a couple days ago, and now I'm going through and trying to mop up some of the older quests that I struggled on or like you know, uh, didn't get all the stars on. So I'm still finding reason to play it. Um, it I, with, I wish the new game plus was a little more robust. Um, but I guess I, if and when the DLC comes to Vita, or if it is out now, um, maybe I'll try to do a new game plus and play through some of that stuff. Because that sounds really cool. And uh, I, I've always liked the Steam World worlds, the, um, both in Dig and in this one. So I, I'm willing to spend time in that, even if it means replaying a significant portion of that game again without any changes. Now, uh, well, there was a, <laughs> there actually is a third Steam World game uh, that I don't think either of us have played. Uh, it was a DSIware game, um, a, a oh, game. It was a tower defense game, um, and it, it was one of the early projects for Image Inform, I, I believe. Um, and I'd have to go back to our episode on SteamWorld Dig to find out when I actually talked to the, the president of Image Inform. Uh, I believe they were an educational uh, game company and then uh, decided to just kind of, you know, let's see, let's put it out there and see what happens. And they made this uh, SteamWorld Tower Defense game. I think it, it might be called SteamWorld Tower Defense. Yep, I'm looking it up now. Okay. SteamWorld Tower Defense. Um, and, and it hit un- big enough for them. Uh, for DSiWare anyway, because they were one of the early developers for that, so kind of had this that blue ocean where where they were the only game in town, um, and then that helped them get the funds to to make Dig, uh, and then Dig blew up big, and and now Heist has has also blown up uh, pretty big from from what I've seen, and, and I think it's easily their best game by far. Uh, Heist is. Yeah, I, I agree, and you know, credit to Image Inform for not reinventing the wheel, but certainly taking a risk and and creating a completely different game each time. Uh, I I wish uh, we were talking about this uh, on Gchat a couple days ago. I wish more developers would take that risk. I understand that financially it's tough to to, um, justify and this is a small company, but um, I'm, I'm incredibly interested to see what they make next. Yeah, I mean, you were you're over there stopping short when you say uh, reinventing the wheel, but I would totally. I think that is a totally apt uh, uh, description of them. Like we have this the the quote unquote wheel of these turn based strategy games that uh, all rely on dice rolls and are all kind of similar with slightly different mechanics. And Heist comes in here and goes, "Hey, let's not do the dice roll stuff. Let's actually put some skill, some reaction." Uh, like, let's not just make it, uh, a game of chance. And I think it really makes Steamworld Heist something special. And if they didn't have that mechanic in there, I think the game would be really worse off for it. Um, it, it's a really unique feature that I haven't seen employed in any other, uh, strategy game that I can think of. Um, so I, I think it's really special and, and something people should absolutely play. And it's on... Uh, enough different devices at this point where you can play it on on PC or or Vita or 3DS or 
iOS or Android, like there, there's there's kind of no excuse have a not way to play this game. Yeah. yeah, it's and it's so good. It's so so good. Uh, like like we said at the beginning, this was uh, Gamers on the Go's top game of 2015, and it's it's making a case <laughs> to to be the top game of 2016 as well. Uh, so totally, totally worth playing, and uh, it's a game that's, I think it's only $15 on, on most of those things. It might even be cheaper on iOS, uh, as, as many things tend to be, but it's, it's totally, totally worth playing, absolutely. Cool. Well, um, Pierce, uh, before, we, before we call it a day, um, we do have our, our Gamers on the Go Game of the Year episode coming up uh in roughly a month or maybe maybe a month and a half um i know that you are going to be joining me for one of those podcasts uh is there anything that you've been playing can you give us a sneak peek on on maybe something that uh that has caught your eye or even just something that you're playing have been playing recently that is not steamroll heist yeah um well we talked at length offline uh, and I hope we will talk a lot during the, the Game of the Year podcast about Mini Metro, uh, which is just a really fantastic game for Android and iOS. Uh, sort of real-time strategy, uh, sort of like city-building management. You are managing population centers with subways mm-hmm. um, in different cities around the world. Uh, I, we kind of talked about the lack of replayability um, or not, I shouldn't say the lack of replayability because it's a very replayable game, but our dwindling motivation to play it after we unlocked all the levels in that game. Mm-hmm. But I have been playing it again uh, after that discussion for some reason. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, that's going to be in my top five easily. Nice. I, it, I'm really yeah. excited to have that conversation. Uh, it's, it's a game that I was pleasantly surprised by. Um, I don't know exactly where it's going to show up in my list, if at all, but it's... It's a strong contender, I would say, and something that I, I look forward to our further discussion on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, other than that, um, Battlefield 1, man. Yeah, great handheld game, Battlefield 1. A great handheld game. Uh, <laughs> got it on my Vita. No, Battlefield 1 is a solid game. I didn't realize how much I missed um, like uh, World War Two slash earlier than that. Uh, World War One in this case. But like a... Um, I'm glad it's not a modern warfare game. Mm-hmm. I was really burnt out on those kind of games. So I'm getting a little more immersed in Battlefield 1. Even when it comes to the multiplayer, there's a little more immersion, uh, which is something really hard to do in multiplayer. Uh, so, I mean, that's a great game. I don't know if it'll make my overall top five, because I've played a lot of great games this year, but uh, I'm really happy playing it now. It's come at a good time. Nice. Cool. Yeah, I've been I've actually been playing a lot more console stuff recently as well. Uh, Dishonored two, and uh, I played the new Call of Duty. Uh, so I went the opposite way of you. I went <laughs> instead of like I'm tired of Modern Warfare two, Modern Warfare as well rather. Um, never tired of Modern Warfare two. Right. Um, but <laughs> instead of instead of going back in time to World War one, I, I went to space. Uh, so uh, that's been fun. I've got Titanfall two coming to to give that a shot. Um, Man, I, yeah, I've been playing a lot. Have you played but, Pokemon? Uh, yes, so I've uh, Pokemon. Uh, so for this show, came, is uh, being recorded on uh, Sunday, the what twentieth? Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, so Pokemon's been out for a couple days now. 
Uh, it's it's good. Um, I'm I have a lot of thoughts on it. Um, I don't know if it is uh, my. It, it's definitely not my favorite Pokemon, and it has some changes in there that I don't agree with. But I think overall, it feels like a a very new and fresh version of something that you have kind of played before. It does it does some new things that are good, and it does some new things that I'm I'm not so happy about, but. Um, I'm still having a good time playing it and I am really interested to keep going and see, uh, where I end up putting this in, in like a game of the year situation. Um, it's got some really cool designs. Like I got, uh, I got this water bug spider thing that, uh, that, you know, it looks all right on its own. It looks kind of like a, a, a penguin with this. Um, like water orb over its head, like almost like an astronaut helmet, but it's like that's where it keeps the water that it breathes on its own. Um, but apparently, like it's supposed to be like a spider. Um, and then when it evolves, it it yeah, it looks like a fucking scary water spider man. Uh, there's there's some cool stuff in that game for sure. Um, so I'm having having a good time playing it. Cool. I was thinking about picking it up today. Yeah, I, I would totally do that. Uh, I've been playing Sun. Uh, I hear good things about Moon as well. It's they're essentially the same game, <laughs> um, so that that is out there. But yeah, uh, you'll be hearing a lot more Pokemon talk and a lot more Mini Metro talk on our uh, Game of the Year episodes, which are coming up. Uh, like I said, in about a month, month and a half, uh, depends on some scheduling, depends on some guests. Um, we will also be having uh, some. Uh, guest contributors for uh, top five lists of 2016. I've got some some of the old gang. If you are a longtime Gamers on the Go listener, uh, a lot of our previous guests are submitting their own top five lists, Pierce being one of them. Uh, so looking forward to seeing uh, a lot of different voices and a lot of different minds uh, tell me what their top five handheld games were of this year. And then personally, I will be making my own top 10 because I feel like I probably play more handheld games than any of you. So uh, <laughs> making making a top five is a little difficult for me. So I'm, I'm going to up mine to 10 so I can get all my, my good favorites in there. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. Pierce, uh, is there anything you'd like to plug anywhere people can find you on Twitter, whatever you want to say right now? Uh, yeah, you guys can find me on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> Um, and my name is, uh, I think it's just Pierce Corshane, P-I-E-R-C-E-C-O-U-R-C-H-A-I-N-E. Uh, I keep on telling myself I'm going to resurrect my Twitter, um, because it's been like a year and a half since I've used it, but I kind of want to get back into the habit of using it for news and especially gaming news. So I guess you can find me at, on Twitter at PGA Corshane, um, same last name. So yeah whatever follow me maybe i'll tweet maybe i won't you know you're not the boss of me cool well yeah i mean if if you tweet then people see it and if you don't then they're just following something to follow it Um, so either way you can't lose (laughs) Um, as for gamers on the go uh, gamers on the go.com is our main hub that's where you can see get all the newest episodes can see all the blog posts that we do uh, that's where you'll be able to find all of those uh, top five lists when they when they come out and that'll happen uh, in early mid December uh, when those start coming out and they should run throughout the month. Um, 
And then our Twitter is GOTG Podcast. And yeah, that's that's probably it. Like nobody nobody really emails in to the to the GOTG podcast at gmail.com, which is fine. Um, there, there are other ways to get a hold of the show. Uh, so no, no reason to use those emails. Um, but yeah, I want to thank everyone for listening. I know that I had that pretty extended break there for a while and now I've, I've been able to put uh, a couple episodes, uh, pretty close together and now we're gearing up for game of the year and I'm really excited about that. I think we're going to have some, some good stuff to talk about. 2016 has been a pretty solid year for games overall, but I think for handheld games, it's also been pretty pretty strong uh so feeling good about what that uh that game of the year list is going to be i i will say uh that last year i thought it was kind of a weak year for handheld games i think i put that out there in a few different places i think i even said it in our game of the year show um that's not to take away from steamworld heist though that game is is awesome no matter what year it is uh so definitely make sure you go out and play it um anyway Pierce, thanks for coming on. Thank you all for listening. And uh, I'll be back in about a month or so to talk about some game of the year. Hey,